Hello. Welcome. Hosh geldiniz. This is the Join Core podcast. Bienvenidos. Welcome. Hosh geldiniz. Welcome. How are you? Are you all very well? Como estas? Sava. Nasılsın? Um, how do you say in German? I've forgotten. Oh, that's a shame. Um, it's a bit European-centric, these welcoming languages. But then, I, but then I, I thought, oh, I'll look up more welcome translations. And it felt a little bit artificial just to Google some and then use them. Like, these are the ones I know, so that's why I use them. Not sure. Um, another thing that I'm not sure about, I just ate a pear. Well, I say just. It was about an hour ago. But no, nevertheless, I ate a pear. No seeds in the pear. And I thought, I've not... I don't remember there being seeds in pears recently. I don't know, I haven't eaten that many pears, um, to be honest. But I can't remember any seeds. And, you know, no seeds in grapes these days. Where are all the seeds? What is it so bad to have seeds in things that you would go to that much effort to modify all your fucking grape genes so none of them have none of them have seeds? Like none of them. Like seeded grapes are a rare delicacy. Um I'm talking by the way for United Kingdom, which is where I tend to buy my grapes and pears. In other places, seeds are plenty. As there should be, because their fruits and fruits are for spreading the plants, so they have seeds of the plant in. You don't need me to tell you how plants work. I think, where are the seeds? Where are the seeds? So, that's not what um, this podcast is going to be focusing on. This podcast is, in fact, um, the first podcast to come with a bit of a trigger warning. So it's just a warning to say that we're going to be talking about consent. And we're not going to be talking explicitly about violations of consent. There's not going to be anything detailed, as it were. But we are going to explore ways in which consent is violated that are maybe more subtle. And we're going to be specifically thinking not specific not talking in detail but specifically thinking about uh, sexual consent the consent involved in um, having intimate sexual relations with a partner or with multiple partners that's what this podcast is going to be about so I reckon if you are dealing with or if you have not dealt with um, some experiences personal experiences of consent violation there might be something that is difficult that comes up and I don't I hope that those of you who listen to drawing core think this is a cozy and safe space and I intend to keep it cozy and safe for this discussion but it's important to be uh, to make people aware I think of um, this particular trigger so I feel like I've done that. Um, the reason to talk about it at this time specifically is because 
last Saturday, uh, as in the 30th of November, was uh, the International Day of Consent. Only the second one, it was only inaugurated last year by a wonderful person who leads up um, a group called Irregular Arts, and Irregular Arts this year hosted a festival of consent on Saturday. There was also events in an event in Poland, and someone Skyped in for the event from Colombia, so it was officially International Day of Consent. Hopefully it grows, um, and I'm doing my small part now by contributing this podcast to this time of year. And consent is... We're starting to talk more about it, which is cool. Um, and so this this festival is... Is, is timely as it were um, the, not the festival sorry the international day is timely and we are generally advocates for victims of abuse these days where we may not have been before um, victims of abuse whose consent has been violated um, and so we're doing we're doing well I, I, in a sense but I think this is the time to be talking about it when it is there because we want to do this right you know um i think i feel similarly about toxic masculinity toxic masculinity is a kind of hot topic but it's important not to let that go to our heads and think yeah we're dealing with that that's great because we want to deal with it in the right way so it doesn't reoccur in other maybe more insidious ways and so that our uh, recovery from it is as healthy as possible um, and I think this very much goes for consent violations we want to educate people about consent and stop there being consent violations in people's lives um, as much as possible we want to do that in the best way right so I thought quite carefully about this this is a relatively planned out podcast um, and it's important to me it was something that I said in the first podcast we would talk about maybe we will come back to it maybe there'll be certain parts of this podcast that I later think you know that needed more or that wasn't the right way to say it but like I said it's the time to talk about it I believe that just talking about it is the key here we will if if we're talking about it then together hopefully we will fucking sculpt our attitude um what's the word together that's not 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 what i was looking for but it'll do we'll sculpt our attitude together in collaboration that's what i was looking for um and so i'm not like I've said so many times on this podcast, I'm not taking authority or telling how it is. I'm just trying to have a conversation about it, produce a piece of art about conversationing this topic so that it's kind of promoted that we talk about it. So, um, I just thought I'd start with talking through some types of consent. So, um, we start with freely given consent so when we say freely given consent we mean just being 
um, there being no coercion, no extenuating circumstances. You think this is relatively straightforward, right? We want people to give their consent freely. We don't want them to feel to be forced into giving their consent. Otherwise, we don't feel like it's actually truly consensual. So freely given consent. Second one is informed consent. So you got all the information. Again, pretty straightforward. Like you don't, if you give your consent without really knowing what you're giving consent for, because some information is hidden from you, then I think we would, we would agree that that's not very consensual. And the third type I wanted to bring up was specific consent. So being explicit and clear about it, just like informed consent. You know, if you're if you're agreeing to something, but it's not specific enough and then there is a mismatch between what you're agreeing to and what is actually going to happen then it's not specific so you need to be specific in your consent um, and yeah explicit and clear uh, the fourth thing is enthusiastic or engaged consent so that's like being active and present and wanting the thing so especially when it comes to sex you know wanting to fuck not just agreeing to fuck um, so that's that's enthusiasm as it were but um, the reason that it's also I'm also including engaged consent and this is something I picked up from the festival on the weekend is because sometimes enthusiasm is sometimes you, you necessarily feel something you would describe as enthusiasm but you are engaged in what in in what you're choosing so you do want to have sex but maybe you don't feel enthusiastic so in order to kind of open that a little bit without changing what it means maybe we would use engaged consent and the fifth type of consent would be say reversible consent so it can always be withdrawn so at any point you can say yeah actually i don't want this um then there's expressed or explicit consent so this is directly agreed so this is basically the fact that you have to actually ask it and you have to say it um and it has it should be you know specific in that case but um it's about talking about consent about asking the question and getting the answer this is as opposed to the last form of consent i wanted to introduce which is implied consent so this is when it's not directly agreed but rather understood through indirect means so the example um oh there's also i'm going to link to the festival of consent i'm also going to link to another podcast discussed some um has a very good discussion of consent um, and in that podcast the example was when you access um, some websites and it's like by continuing you agree to this and this uh, Yanni, by making this purchase you agree to this and this you are not directly saying I agree to this and this but you are by continuing or by making your purchase when it comes to sexual um, consent uh, this is while it might seem you know a bit wishy-washy it's pretty prevalent because 
especially in established couple couples, you won't always have a conversation about each specific act. You won't necessarily go to someone, uh, would you like to have sex? Would you like to ha- me to touch you here? Would you like me to uh, kiss you here? Would you like me to do this? Would, can, can you do this for me? Would you do this for me? You won't necessarily have all of these explicit, expressed, consensual agreements, but you will understand consent is given through implication. You know, someone will someone will give you a physical or a verbal um, signal of what they want or what they don't want. And especially if you're an established couple, maybe not and not just couple, but established partners, let's say you might be very good at having that kind of communication. So you would rely on it, you know? So there's seven different types of consent. I mean, types of consent, seven different aspects of consent, perhaps. Freely given, informed, specific, enthusiastic or engaged, reversible, expressed or explicit, and implied and so what I want to maybe the maybe the main part of this podcast in a way is to go back through these and think about more subtle and slippery situations when they're not as straightforward and we should be more careful this is a little bit hard this was a little bit hard to prepare um, but at, at the least if you're not if, if you if you if you don't follow or if you're not convinced by some directions that I go in you'll get the idea I think that um, I'm saying during this podcast I'm trying to say that we're doing a good job of dealing with consent but we need to be careful because it's a lot trickier and a lot more subtle than we might assume and after this and and yeah a little bit later we're going to try and we're going to sort of discuss why that might be and um, the more complex context for this okay let's think about when these things are more subtle and sorry slippery Um, and uh, yeah the other thing to say is um we are we are good at some forms of consent we are less good at some others so let's look at the ones we are less good at you know um and there is another podcast called um another podcast series about someone's experience uh with consent it's called no and it's by a podcast series called the The heart this is really really good series and i will at the end i will recommend this again um uh, so yeah that's looking at, again at freely given consent right so not let's not just think about coercion in the sense of like you're under threat to give your consent let's think about um maybe if you don't give your consent you're worried that you make someone upset you're worried about what the implications will be for you for your relationship with that person so that person might not be actively or intentionally coercing you but you might feel coerced and you might not freely give your consent because you might be worried about the implications. 
so that the book I mentioned back in I can't remember which episode Asking for it by Louise O'Neill which deals explicitly with one consent violation and um, quite quite head-on it deals with rape culture this is really good at exploring what's going on in the head of someone who is not able to give their consent freely so if we think about informed consent um, and we don't just think about situations where you need to inform a partner of a sexually transmitted infection or sexually transmitted disease um, which is you know very straightforward example you should fucking let someone know but think about if you understand like each other's emotional boundaries and the situation so if um, there can be a very small act or a small part of the body which is um, sensitive in some way maybe because of a past experience or maybe just it just happens to be sensitive someone's body and um, you need to be you should be aware of that part of the body like that's information that would be good to share together um, in order to inform like what's going to happen and what you're giving consent for and what the other person understands they can do with your consent and maybe even more subtly to think about emotional boundaries in the situation so um, if you fuck with someone what is the what is the um, situation after you've had sex like how much space do you need to give that person how when do you need to leave their house when do you what do you, can you say to them how much can you kiss them these kind of things you might assume because you've already had sex but in fact like you haven't got that information um, and you haven't also given the information that you might expect some things are because of um, because of what has already happened so again like specific consent um, think about what you understand by sex so if you ask someone do you want do I want do you want to have sex with me what exactly do you mean by sex we are very our culture is very much focused on sex being penis in vagina sex which of course is only one way of having sex otherwise we deny the ability of uh, two men or two women to have sex together which I which again which official draw, drawing core line we don't want to do and I think that there's a lot to be said for opening up what we mean by sex to mean all sorts of intimate sexual acts with someone I think that's a very positive thing to do I think it validates intimacy a, like a lot more than we tend to because we're so focused on a certain kind of sex but when you're talking about specific consent what specific what what is your understanding of sex and what is the other person's understanding of sex that specificity again is, is information that kind of needs to be shared you might not be lying or manipulating but you might understand things differently and when it comes to enthusiastic or engaged consent um, this is maybe a little more tricky like to try and think not just if you want it but if you why you are choosing that particular act uh, to express what you want to express so again like this focus on sex being a particular kind of thing um, in order to understand if you're really and if you're 
partner or partners are really wanting and really present and really being active um have you have you are you exploring intimacy in the way that would be best for both of you um do they in fact want to do something else they might not mind having this kind of sex but maybe they want to have that kind of sex and therefore your engaged consent should maybe be more like a conversation about what do you want rather than do you want this we think about reversible consent um, so not just thinking about changing your mind halfway through but thinking about getting distracted like our minds do crazy weird things right and you know in, in like i my experience of orgasm sometimes entails my something completely outside of my sexual uh world especially when i'm on my own i might just think of something that makes me happy in that instant of chemical release or whatever you know or fucking just re orgasmic release i might think of just something that i like something that makes me happy and it would be like totally inappropriate to be turned on by that and I'm not turned on by that, but you know, the, po the, point, the point is, is our minds do strange journeys through different thoughts. So, um, yeah, thinking about reversible consent, you know, think about, rather than thinking about if the other person wants to change their mind or, you know, um, feeling like I can just change my mind at some point, trying to kind of keep checking in with yourself about like are you still there are you getting distracted like what's really on your mind is there something is there in fact a better thing to be doing now rather than having sex um yeah um so expressed uh consent or explicit consent which is you know it's about knowing you're on the same page as someone else so this is quite difficult because it feels awkward to ask like this is this is a problem i have had and a problem that comes up usually quite a lot when people talk about consent okay that's a bit of a broad statement but yeah, it's definitely a problem is that like sometimes being explicit feels like it breaks the mood breaks the moment maybe it does but it's more important to get consent than to risk violating it and I think this is really something we need to practice because in my sexual experience, consent, explicit consent is not, is not a practice that I'm, I have. Like I don't, I, I've, I'm much more, I've had much more experience with implied consent, especially with established partners, rather than uh, explicit, in, um, expressed consent. But we cannot, we, not even just thinking about asking, but thinking about maybe to make it even to make it even more subtle like what about reflecting you know, how often do we reflect on how the experience was for each other like may maybe that's easier for you than asking in the first place but the you know the point is like to think both you know to think about kind of always having consent in mind so before and after the act you know being explicit being expressed to make sure you're always on the same page. So the last type of consent or the last aspect of consent is implied consent. And full disclosure, you probably won't notice, hopefully, but um, I did just stop and restart the recording because this is, this is, this is tricky. And I know that 
I've tried to make it a principle not to edit this podcast. But um, I did one take all the way through until um, implied consent. And then after that, I felt like it wasn't expressing exactly what I wanted to express, intended to express. So I'm re-recording this part because I want to use implied consent to expand on this idea that consent is more subtle and slippery than we might think. So there's a pervasiveness of implied consent, right? I already talked about how commonplace it was um, at the beginning, but um, it's, it's really like, I think, insidious, it's endemic, like there is so much implied consent that we are part of a lot of our consensual relationships are implied and that that's definitely not just in terms of sex like um, in terms of familial relations it's very implied like it's implied that you should act a certain way with your child or with your relatives or whatever with your friends is also the same so what the what a kind of violation of implied consent might look like is a kind of entitlement like on in a kind of high danger level we might think you know someone is saying well I'm married to this person and we're monogamous so I'm kind of entitled to their body and we want to obviously avoid this situation hopefully by using some of the other types of consent we've talked about but we do also use implied consent like and I'm, and I'm not arguing that we should not uh, or at least not all the time but we need to be aware that um, our understandings our language our signals might not be shared like intimate spaces are very private so we don't necessarily discuss with each other or see very many representations in media of what it means to uh, have sex so our common understandings are maybe not that common um, and in any case, sex is very different for each individual. So even if we did see a lot more representations and we did talk about it with people, like we would still have to negotiate these things each on each encounter with each individual each time. So we should be aware of like how our understandings uh, are shaped. So I want to introduce the idea of. My, my idea of like ha- how I would go about examining aspects of this. So first, I would look about. I would look at intent, and you know, obviously, if someone intends to take sex from someone who doesn't want to, we can see this consent violation very clearly. But sometimes your intent is is not to do that, but you can still violate consent. I think consent, uh, sorry, intent is affected by your awareness. Like if you're not aware that someone doesn't want something then you wouldn't you you can still violate their consent without intending to so we need to make sure we look at our awareness as well as our intent now our awareness might in turn be shaped by our kind of vested interests like our power interests so we often might want to keep a relationship so we might want to give to the other person our consent to make them to, to make them happy because we're protecting what we want or we might have a role that we're playing and our 
our power dynamic is one of submission so we might submit to the other person or we might play out games um, with our power interests um, we might have hidden power interests like yeah like I mean a typical heteronormative relationship in our society can be very imbalanced and the man can have uh, a lot more power than the woman so in heterosexual relationships that might be a power interest that we need to be examining and these are in turn affected by social dynamics so wider social dynamics of masculine feminine um, affect that heteronormative um, model but it can be much more specific social dynamics like you are in a group of people and you are all friends and then you all start having sex with each other so your social dynamics of your friend group will affect your intimate sexual relations with the same people and that's just you know that's something to be aware of and to be examining and to make sure that we kind of criticize and I don't mean by criticize I don't mean um, say it's bad but more um, yeah examine it so one thing I think we need to be aware of is that it's difficult to say no so again this book Asking For It by Louise O'Neill it explores this also the podcast No by The Heart really explores this and it's true that you aren't responsible for what someone else's, what's in someone else's head and you can't always know what's going on in their head so it is the responsibility of people to be able to say no like they have a responsibility there and this is something I struggled with at first because I was thinking it's always the fault of the person who violates the consent you can you know not wanting to victim blame I was taking taking blame I was making sure there was no blame upon the person who should be who, who is saying who is giving their consent or not giving their consent but in fact to do that removes agency from that person because we kind of limit them to playing that role of victim so we do need to take seriously uh, the person who is giving or withholding their consent and say like you have a responsibility as well because you have agency you are not just a victim in this situation but that means you have a responsibility this doesn't excuse the violator of consent like I'm not saying that okay we're not aware that someone doesn't want sex so it's okay like we need to build that into our approach to the situation it's the responsibility of us like both the violator or the, both the person asking and the person giving the consent so thinking about me too the movement as I said at the beginning like we, we are kind of starting to talk about this conversation more which is really cool um, and that movement aims to change our situation you know like it's a kind of endemic social problem and the Me Too movement has generally been pretty on it to say like this industry or you know this um, social dynamic is really poisonous and it creates these situations and those situations are super insidious so often people discuss consent in terms of other circumstances like work or family whether you're really giving your consent and how much that kind of that aspect of your life is consensual and I think partly the reason we can do that is because 
power interest and social dynamics are so insidious they're kind of they kind of go into every part of our lives so they are definitely connected to um those se- like sexual dynamics and sexual power interests and interests and dynamics between sexual partners so it, it gets very complicated um capitalism complicates consent was one of my takeaways from this uh, festival on the weekend because of our position within capitalism uh, and because of our reliance on having a job and having enough money and da da our position, the way we are positioned by society, the way we position ourselves is fraught with danger, you know. We, we have quite a lot of, it's, it's quite difficult to exist in this system. Um, so it's quite difficult to be considerate of your um, of someone else's social position and yours at the same time and kind of navigate a, a collaborative course so we, we we inherit lots of shit you know we may have come a long way from old power dynamics but it doesn't mean they're not still like insidiously there in some part of our lives they're deeply like embedded And so to kind of wrap up, um, like this, this subtlety and this slipperiness, like I think they're related to how insidious these power interests and these social dynamics are in, in like invading all aspects of our lives, including our sexual, our sexual congress, our sexual congresses. So we, we need to bring a hell, a hell lot of examination to um, to our social situation and our mental situation in order to be going into consensual situations with the best possible um, tools, intentions, awareness. And I mentioned the Me Too movement. This was driven by people whose consent had been violated, victims of abuse, largely women. Because of those social dynamics and power interests, there is an overwhelming majority, there's a, a, like in an overwhelming number of cases, it will be men who have violated women's consent rather than vice versa. And I don't think that's really a very controversial thing to say. Not to say that it doesn't exist the other way around, it doesn't exist in different circumstances in queer sex, but there is a huge amount of men violating women's consent, especially sexual consent. And I think that it's time for men, for people who are in a position where they kind of have the ability to violate consent more easily, they have that power... um, burden if you like those people are the ones who need to keep who need to talk now and consider this conversation I identified for most of my life as masculine as a man I don't anymore but I still feel like having had that position of responsibility is a is one reason why it's good to make this podcast to talk about because I'm talking about it from a position of I can because of my social power 
I can have had much more opportunity to violate consent and I need to examine myself. A lot of women did a lot of very fucking brave work in speaking up in the Me Too, Me Too movement and in um, things, uh, you know, in the last few years, things like that, calling out men in power, positions of power and they faced a hell of a lot of abuse and criticism just for doing that and that's fucking, that's, that's a lot of work like um, maybe brave is even too patronising like, it's like they, they, did, they did a lot of work, right, these people and now it's sort of the turn of other people to keep up that conversation and, and in doing that we respect the fact the responsibility lies with, with all of us and of course no one wants to be put in that group like you are violators of consent but there are ways of looking at that like one is that we we do conform to majority stereotypes in majorities so it might not be you but there are a lot of other people who do that or maybe it's you in ways that you don't know and hopefully you haven't abused so that's great but like be aware of the you know there is such a thing as masculinity in our society and it does have a, have an effect on your social positioning and how you engage with others and da, da, da. another way to look at it is like we can and we do resist categorization right so we don't really stick to those majority stereotypes but one way we can kind of do that is by opening them up sort of examining which parts of us are or have masculinity and femininity and what parts of our social dynamics are at work in different situations um, and lastly like this is an insidi insidious situation like I said it's all mixed up and all sorts of people can dominate in different ways like it's not necessarily just man over women like if you think about um, BDSM you might even play out in a BDSM situation you might play with the dom with gender dominance and you might be a man who um, is dominant over a submissive woman because that's the you're having fun with that gender role but you BDSM is um, notorious for how consensual it is how explicit the consent is how informed how specific how enthusiastic like it's BDSM has a lot of good models for consent because it's very important to maintain that in a world where you are possibly hurting someone else for pleasure so you know in that situation we're not going to hate on those people for playing out those gender roles those gender roles they just are what they are they're not really individuals responsibility they're a shared responsibility so we don't have to hate on men but we do maybe have to ask men to speak up in this point so last of all I think to do that it's time to maybe maybe the next part of the conversation is to think about when uh, to, for individuals to think about when they might have violated consent and to kind of um, propose ways to make amends for that we've got a good culture of, of calling out people for abuse now and it's <clears throat> what people are talking about and it's great and we are starting to think about um, we are starting to do this conversation we had today we're like we're talking about how what is good consent practice 
I think in order to um, not leave any gaps in this conversation, we need to think about times when we might have violated consent and what we can do about it. So that's my that's my consent podcast. I hope that it runs smooth and it's easily digestible, relatively. Um, if it was a little bit trigger, triggering, I'm sorry, but um, yeah, I'm sorry, but um, I think it's important to try and talk about these things. So thank you for sticking with the podcast for this long, how long is it in fact? Where are we? We're there with 40 minutes, okay, not too bad. I thought it was gonna be super crazy long. It's not super crazy long, it's just a bit too long. As is par for the course with Drawing Core. Um, gonna share a song called Prince Charming by Brother Ali now. And the reason I'm gonna share this song is it has an ins- it has its own p- particular insidious um, examine examination of the insidiousness of dangerous um, non consensual practice. So it's basically about a man who fancies a woman who feels entitled to her. So um, yeah. It's not going to relieve you of this triggering topic. It's not a dark song. It's presented as a happy, as in, okay, it is a dark song. It's presented as a happy song. That's how it kind of deals with this idea it's insidious. So it's not aggressive in any way. It feel, it sounds quite happy, but listening to the lyrics, you'll find that it's about something quite dark. And I think it's really nice that he is expressing this in this way um, again as part of his conversation so please enjoy Prince Charming by Brother Ali um, I will be back next week with a podcast about in fact it'll be it'll be quite quicker a bit quicker than one week away because it's already recorded because uh, that's so organized um, about gender so um, yeah see you then and Have a lovely week and take care of yourself. Be compassionate to yourself and compassionate to others. And big kisses. Opiorum sizi guzaba kandene seviorum sizi. Hadi bye bye. Thank you.
make it a us. Long story short, let me get a phone number. Somebody kill, cause if I can't have you, nobody will. 